Hey there. Thanks for listening. This is Scoobert Dubert. Today I want to talk about kind of a contradiction to some of the things that I usually talk about. So I'm I'm always about speed, efficiency, pace, getting stuff done, clearing out things that stand in your way, workflow-wise, creativity-wise, writer's block, getting all that stuff out of the way. But sometimes it's important to slow down. And so I wanted to talk about some of the times that I pull back on the brakes a little bit, downshift into a lower gear. Think about it just the same way as when you're driving. Like, yeah, you want to be getting to your destination as quickly as possible. But right now we're going through this weird like wind and rainstorm in San Diego right now where the wind will be 60 miles an hour for a second and then it'll be, you know, bright and sunny the next. And so in those windy, rainy times, you're not going to drive as fast or you shouldn't. A lot of people in San Diego do, but you know, there are consequences, (laughs) very grave consequences. Um, if you, if you don't, downshift. And that's what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that there are some moments in the creative process that you do need to slow down. And I want to highlight an example of this within mixing, cleaning up, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of times when I'm mixing, I start off by doing the stuff that a assistant mixing engineer normally does, uh, where you, you sort everything, you get things colorful and, and all of your vocals are grouped together, all your guitars, all your drums, everything is grouped together into these segments. And I, I don't really like to think of it necessarily as ensembles, but like, like, you know, the woodwinds, the the brass, you know, not like that, but more in terms of the function. So like the more percussive things go together, the more um, flowy pad like things can go together. And sometimes that bridges between guitars and synths. It's more about function rather than form. But as I'm doing that, I like to zero in on the entrances and exits of instruments. Because a lot of times when you're doing stuff yourself, those DIY recorders, there's some like weird noise that creeps in, in between different things. Like say you're just running takes, you're doing it. And then at the end of your take, you slap your um, space bar because you're all excited that you got in. I can't tell you how many times I've had to clear out space bars, not just in my music and other people's, everybody's music. That's, this is like a thing now where if you listen, you will hear space bars <laughs> in popular music. It sneaks in there. It happens. And so you get that sound in the background that's like, oh, is that a, a rim click on a snare drum? Nope. Space bar. And so those are the things that I want to like caution producers to slow down on. Like when you are recording flow, free flow, doing your thing. When you're moving it into the mix and it's going to become real, it's going from like this quasi demo arranging creative space. Like the, you need to start cleaning your canvas because essentially what you're going to be doing is you're putting a frame around this thing. And if you got a bunch of wet paint all around where the frame is going to attach to, that's going to, you know, damage the frame. It's going to look all weird. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Like dig in to the entrances and exits of your parts and also like zoom in on this stuff. You know, I'm, I am all holistic and like, don't worry about, um, like the little things, all that kind of stuff, but this stuff really matters. Like zoom in on your vocals. 
and make sure like I just gulped, like I would cut that out if this wasn't just a podcast, you know, most people are just going to be listening to this in AirPods or driving around. This is not an audio book, but if it was an audio book, I am going in on every little element that isn't actual speech. And you should do the same thing for your vocals. So if you have a big breath, once that stuff hits compression, that breath is going to be huge. And so one of the stuff I do, one of the things I do for, especially for Chai's music is they have, um, their, their breaths, like their vocal technique is they have like higher breaths. Um, you know, females just in general tend to do that. Not, not all the time. Um, but other vocalists do that too, kind of this tight little high breath. And when that stuff hits compression, which is, you know, it lowers the loudest possible sound and then you add gain. So it raises the quietest possible sound. So it creates a nice little band of sound. So it's not as dynamic. It's not getting too loud, not getting too quiet. When you add that, those breaths, boy, they sing, they come out and it can be really, really distracting for the listener. And it, it goes from being honest to being not musical. And so by identifying those breaths, maybe pulling them down and gain a little bit to a place, or maybe saying, I don't need a breath here. I can just let it sing. Like the the listener doesn't need to hear me breathe here. Sometimes that's really weird. If you take out every breath, then it does, you know, doesn't feel human. Sometimes that's cool, but like there is a give and take and those minor, minor decisions, they add up. And especially on a voice, you know, like you can get away with some sloppiness on a room mic, on a drum kit, something like that. It might be cool. It might be cool. Like you hear the sticks kind of like fall or something halfway through the song. You know, that's that's a vibe. That's an interesting thing. Um, But I don't necessarily want to hear in the vocal before it enters. You know, that's gross. You know, that's just gross. Just delete that. And don't even, don't even risk it. Um giving it to your mixing engineer because maybe they don't catch it. Maybe they're focused on the, you know, hundred other tracks that they're having to deal with. And maybe they don't catch that really important thing. I really try to, but by taking the onus of yourself, you can make those decisions and clean up the stuff so that you're not relying on someone else to, you know, essentially like fix a catastrophic error that's super small and super easy to do. All you have to do is pull in that clip a little bit, put on a little fade, and now your entrance and exits of vocals are clean. There's another good way to do this through um, gating, but I am not a firm believer, and this is the slow down rather than speed up thing. I'm not a firm believer in a few different things. Letting the computer do your quantization, which is pulling things into time, don't always like doing that. Sometimes it's cool, but most of the time I like to quantize by hand. I like to take every little transient, which is the little pop, every word, so to speak. It can be a snare hit or a, or a sung word or a guitar chord. I like to chop all of those up and put them exactly where I want them because the computer doesn't know where I want them. The computer only knows to put them where the computer would do it, the most logical place. But the most logical place is not always the coolest place. So like I do that myself. It slows me down. It might add an hour or two per song, at least, maybe even longer. But I do it myself because I know what I want. The computer doesn't. Same thing with autotune versus Melodyne, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter the tool, but going in and picking your note editor and assigning your notes by hand rather than just having the computer do it, um, totally different vibe. Both good, but make the choice. You know, don't let the, don't just like be like, this is the easy way, so I'm just going to do that. There are a lot of, there's a lot of room to do those things. You know, I, I'm, I'm like, I know what I sound like I'm talking out of both, both sides of my mouth because I am. 
there are opportunities to go really, really fast and there are opportunities where you want to get it right. Do both. And there might be the, you know, the, there's, there is a vibe in just like being like, oh, autotune is just going to autotune it. And it sounds like autotune. That's great. But in other circumstances where you want to be really specific about pitch, say that you're doing like blue notes, you know, the, the sound that isn't quite the right note technically in the scale, it's adding a note, a flat note intentionally. Autotune's not going to be like, oh, they wanted to do a blue note, unless you specifically program it into the blue scale or something like that. But most people don't. They just slap it on a major key and they let, the, let it do its thing or it's pentatonic, whatever. By doing it by hand, now you can say, oh, no, no, I wanted to be non-diatonic. I wanted to be outside of the scale at that moment. And you don't let the computer flatten that in the same way that I don't want it to flatten my rhythmic performance. Like if I just quantize my vocals, now where's my vocal feel? It's not me anymore. Um, again, opportunities to do that, that's really, that can be really cool, but most of the time, especially making the music that I'm making, I want, I want control. I want to make those decisions. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to say here is that like make the decisions and sometimes it takes longer to make the decisions yourself instead of letting the computer do it. But the net result is so much better that it's worth that time investment. And you can make that up in other places, you know, automate some of your other workflows, maybe um, spend some more time like looping a section and, and playing it in so that you get it on the front end. So you don't really have to quantize it very much. That's what I try to do is like, oh, if I, you know, if I just have to play this section 30 times in order to like write it, perform it and record it with the right tone, all those kinds of things, I'll do that because it'll save me the hour of, you know, reconstructing it on the computer. I'll just play it. Um, so it, I end up saving time on that end rather than just like playing it once and then quantizing it. And mm, you just, you get a different result. And so I'm just counseling, do both, do both when it's appropriate, reach for the right tool at the right time. And for the love of God, check out your vocal tracks because vocal tracks are so important and most people don't and that's okay i get it that's part that's part of my job right as the mixing engineer i'm trying to like catch anything so it doesn't come through i'm that final net i'm the polish guy but might as well do it yourself so that you make those choices rather than having somebody else make them and so that the most important thing your vocal sounds good you know record it well export it well trim it up Choose where you want your breaths and where you don't want your breaths and get rid of those space bars and those hums and all those things that are just because it ends up like, okay, from my perspective, say, say, for example, you have a guitar track and it's got a gnarly hum coming from the amplifier. I don't know as the mixing engineer, do you want that in there or not? I'm going to assume that you kind of do because you're giving it to me. But if you don't want that hum just going through the whole song, because like say that the guitar only comes in the last chorus, but you recorded the whole thing and there's a hum going out the entire song. I'm going to assume that you probably want that hum throughout the entire song. And that wasn't just a mistake. So that, you know, or I'll reach out and be like, Hey, do you want this? Is this what you're looking for? And so like clearing up some of those decisions, making those decisions so that there's less ambiguity really, really helps. It'll create a better end product. And also like, another like good PSA for mixing engineers on uh, my song can't imagine feeling better. I have a shaker track that is scooped. All of like the low end is gone. So it's all just tiny little stuff up, up in there. It's a shaker, but it's not shaking the entire time. There is a noise floor, however, on the microphone 
and some of the effects that I put on there. And it's all running into a phaser. So a phaser is that effect that um, you get by putting one waveform over another one that's slightly shifted identical waveforms. It's like, think of how uh, noise canceling headphones work. Those are perfectly phase flipped. If you just shifted it 45 instead of 90, then um, you would get this sound. Um, I wanted that on my noise. I wanted to have this weird noise going out through the entire song, not just when the shakers are being played. So luckily I mixed it so that I got to make that decision and follow through. But if I gave that song to a mixing engineer, they probably would have clipped out all of the space where it was just, you know, dead noise and just only left that track because it was noisy where the shakers were. And it would have totally changed the vibe of the song. It would have been a real bummer. And like, there's a chance, probably I would have caught it, but there's a chance that I wouldn't have caught it until after it was released. And I've been like, oh no. You know, one of my favorite things, an intentional arrangement choice was chopped off. That happens all the time. So yeah, it's, it's better to slow down a little bit, add another hour or two to your workflow for the net result being that much better. There's, a, there's a, obviously a clear limit here. <laughs> like, don't go too far. Um, you don't need to put a fade after every syllable, you know what I'm saying? But try to find that happy medium where you aren't slowing yourself down to the point where you're not creative anymore, but you are making enough decisions so your mixing engineer knows what you're looking for and so that you're not like being sloppy. There's a really fine line between being fast and being sloppy. And um, I don't always hit it. <laughs> so that's why I'm giving the advice because I am growing in that respect. I tend to prioritize fast even if I'm a little bit sloppier, at least on my own music, not when I'm mixing, but like at least on my own music. Um, but I, I, I think it, you can tell a little bit if you've listened to my catalog, I'm getting better at that balancing the two. And so that's why I wanted to talk to you today was to invite you on that road because I think music itself will improve. And then also you music like fans, the people that are listening to this podcast that don't necessarily make music, you know, it's a fun thing to kind of listen for. And it, it, there is a charm in the DIY, like slap the space bar. Like that's kind of fun. And it's also fun as a music listener to catch it every once in a while. So don't shame people if they do that. You know, it's just, it's a, it's part of the journey. And that's, you know, it's part of that like elevation from the garage to the arena, you know. So celebrate the artists as they go through that and see if you ever catch it. Uh, because it's, it's surprisingly will be in bigger records than you would imagine. So with that, I am going to uh, invite you to check out my links at www.scubertdubert.pizza. Scubertdubert.pizza is my website, or you can just search Scubert Dubert on any of the streaming services or buying services like Bandcamp. Good stuff. And I would invite you to please uh, rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps other people discover it. And so I would really appreciate that too. Until next time. See you guys. Did you hear that space bar? Mm-hmm. All right. How about this one? <laughs>